and welcome to Hello Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is Introduce Yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Burgundy Trejo Phoenix. Right off the bat, most awesome name ever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, first question is the obvious one, but how did you get started? Uh, well, as far back as I remember, I've always loved to play with my voice. So since I was a little kid, um, I've been singing and, and um, ever since I was five, I've been obsessed with, you know, learning like new accents and creating new characters and voices and tones. Um, I used to practice new voices by prank calling my family members and seeing how long until they realized it was me. Um, and I also somehow in my hometown of, of Tucson, Arizona, I got asked to do the phone operating voicemail where I worked at every time I worked somewhere like, could you just record our hours of operation? Uh, but all that to say, I really, I never knew this was a skill set that I could add to my resume. I just really loved it. I just had a lot of fun doing it. So a few years after I moved to LA, um, I was introduced to my first voiceover coach, Rick Wasserman, and he introduced me to the technique a voiceover because it's it's a very specific technique um and his class um was a game changer for me and then after many years of auditioning and playing with voiceover scripts and you know just taking in as much knowledge as i could um i found myself able to work on really great projects um, including the Spirit Rangers uh, show, uh, Squash Spirit. And it's a groundbreaking show on Netflix. Um, and I had the opportunity to sing uh, in character on that show as well, which was created by this really talented uh, indigenous Native American woman by the name of Carissa Valencia. And uh, it's the majority of people who worked on the show, the cast and the crew are all indigenous people. So that was really cool. And it was just nominated for seven Emmys. So just a little plug out there for Spirit Rangers. <laughs> and then I went on to do other things like Nickelodeon Loud House, Marissa. It was really fun and um, really great little things in Cookie Run Kingdom and um, playing Blueberry Pie Cookie and a podcast that they've all been these really great nominated and award-winning things. So I'm just, I feel very blessed. I was just about to ask, like, what was it like singing in character? Because uh, when I talk to people, some people tell me, like, oh, I have no problem singing, but singing in character, that's a whole different skill set. So I'm kind of wondering, like, how did you approach that? Yeah, it it definitely is a different skill set. You're probably going to hear a plane or a helicopter flying over my apartment right now. So apologies. But it definitely is a different skill set because, you know, singing and then depending on what the character is like, so for Squash Spirit, for Spirit Rangers, she has a much higher tone of voice than I normally speak. And she was, you know, I was playing essentially uh, like a middle school aged uh, a kid. And so when they first said, you know, send an audition and sing in your regular voice, and then send an audition and sing in character. I have a lot of fun doing it, but sometimes it's challenging because how high I can do my voice register as a voice actor in character sometimes doesn't equate to what is going to sound 
like a pretty note coming out of my mouth <laughs> as a song. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a whole different skill set, as, as like you said, and and it just it just mind. It's kind of I don't know how to explain it for anyone who hasn't like you know done it, but it, because like when you're when you're singing in character, you have to stay in character, you, and you have right. to approach it. You have to approach it as as the character, not you know how would I sing this? How would I hit these notes? It's like okay, how would this character hit these notes? You know, right? Yeah, and and a lot of times, especially when you watch animation, you don't see these really fun, quirky characters with these super high pitched voices um, necessarily singing every note. Like sometimes they'll say the notes, right? So in the song, um, the Spirit Rangers song, it was called Sisters by Your Side. It was really fun because in the booth, we got to do a lot of different takes. And one take, they said, okay, just let loose. Don't worry about hitting the perfect notes or, you know, making sure that, that you're singing this beautiful tune, like really just have fun with it. And what I found is that sometimes you're halfway between singing and talking. So if you're like, as long as my sisters are by my side and you do this whole different thing and the music's playing in the background and it, you hear a lot of different cartoons and animation um, that way because I think it's just a little bit more, um, as far, especially when you have kids as an audience, it really keeps them uh, entertained and keeps their attention versus just hearing uh, characters singing all the time. I think it's it's great to sort of break it up a little bit. And I, I have had the opportunity to do that um, several times. That's a lot of what I auditioned for is like, okay, now sing Katy Perry's Roar <laughs> um, as a baby egg. <laughs> so it's, it becomes really interesting, but it's so much fun. I mean, I could think of a million ways to do that, you know? And plus, it's like, you got to understand who your audience is. So it's like, okay, it's aimed at like really young kids, you got to make sure that they that they will understand it, and they will be under, entertained by it, as opposed to cynical adults who don't care either way. <laughs> right. And who, who a lot of adults are like, Ooh, that note, maybe was a little bit Ooh, I don't know if that was like the perfect singing for that. These kids are like, Oh, my God, I love these songs. And I think that if, if you can you know, uh, get on their level and um, talk to them in a way that they're going to uh, have rapport with, I think that's what the most important thing is, you know, versus I, I think with Loud House, it's a little different because the audience, I mean, I watch Loud House <laughs> as an adult. So I think that it speaks to people of all ages. And so you get to really have a whole lot of fun doing those characters as well because and being able to watch all of those people do different things and listen to episodes and where the characters are singing um in their character voice is always really really cool and what do you love and hate about what you do i love playing i could do a million takes if they let me <laughs> so uh, i love playing around and i love finding the voice or all of the voices of pop potential voices for a character that I'm working on. I love being in the studio and in the booth. That's just, that's a feeling that I've never had until I experienced it. Um, it just feels really like you're in your own little world. Uh, and of course I love collaborating with the creative team and other extremely talented actors. And I'm, I'm always up for trying as many possibilities as I can. Um, the 
options are endless in my opinion. So that makes it way more fun. Um, I don't, you know, I don't hate anything about it really. I, I do wish that, I, okay, I wish I had my own studio um, in home because LA, as you can tell, when I was like, there might be a helicopter flying over, it is really loud. Um, and so there are times where I get a really clean take and then right at the end, there's like a chopper that goes by and I'm like, well, I have to redo that. <laughs> um, but other than that, I have, I have nothing but gratitude. I love everything about it. You don't have your own home studio, even after I COVID? Don't. <laughs> you know what? After COVID, I had a situation where I set up something that could have been my home studio, but I was sweating by the time I was done with like a 10 to 20 minute audition. And I was like, I can't really breathe in this little tent situation that I created. But I have a setup where it sounds like I'm in a studio. It's just in reality, it doesn't it doesn't cut having a full blown room dedicated to voiceover. But that's next. That's actually what I'm working on next. So I'm excited uh, to to do that. But other other than that, I mean, I I have absolutely no complaints whatsoever. You you probably must be the first person I've ever talked to on this show who does not have their own home studio. Like that's yeah. just like unreal to me. It's like, what? <laughs> I know. I know. And you know, I think it's crazy because there's so many people I know here in Los Angeles specifically that do voiceover and we all do it like in a closet situation. You know, in in a situation where we all have really great equipment. I think that's the that's the key. Because when you have really great equipment, you can get away with not having a full-blown, you know, professional-grade uh, studio. Uh, but yeah, most of the people that I know here that do voiceover, they don't have a professional studio. They they all work and they it sounds like they're in a professional studio, but they definitely don't have a dedicated room. We're all, you know, we're all living in a, in a big city like LA trying to figure out how we can make our space work. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is something I'm doing next. I'm investing in, in that so that I don't have to ever think about that again. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of Loud House, like how did that whole thing come about? Because I know your character was originally voiced by someone else. Was mm -hmm. there a specific reason for the recast or was it just, Hey, this, this actress wasn't working out. We need someone different to, for the, for this role. You know, I don't actually know that uh know the reason for the recast i think there's some speculation out there and there's been some people have said that it was due to the actress being you know booked on something else or that her voice was you know changing or i don't know but i really don't know the actual reason why that's not, not something that they shared with me when i was cast for this but it was just you know like any other audition and um, my voiceover agents at DDO, shout out to Julie and Cassie. I absolutely love them. And to the amazing voiceover assistants that are there. Um, they always get me really great things that help me challenge and stretch my voice. And this was just one of those really great things. And uh, I was really excited because I already loved Loud House to see that they were bringing in more um characters that were BIPOC and um, people of, of color. And that was really exciting for me. And so I auditioned and uh, that was it. You kind of just audition and then you move on to the next. And um, then, yeah, then I, I was actually on a flight 
uh, going to Canada on somebody had gotten us a gift um, because my husband and I eloped during the pandemic because we couldn't have a wedding, obviously. And so we went to this great little mini honeymoon. I was only going to be gone for a weekend. And I we landed the plane in Canada and I turned on my phone and I had an email from DDO that said, congratulations, you booked Loud House. And I was like, what? Um, so yeah, that's how it came about. It was really, it was one of those really uh, great opportunities that I'm just really excited to have been part of. And what was it like recording those episodes? I, I take it because they, because they record ensemble and this was probably like when things were starting to lift up, I, I would imagine. They were. Yeah. That ensemble is one of my most absolute favorite things to do. I can absolutely be by myself in a booth for hours and hours and hours and days and weeks on end, but ensemble is so much fun because you get to work off of everybody's energy and you get to be in real time with these other actors working on the story and the circumstances. And um, that actually was recorded from here. It was recorded, we were all remote. We all recorded from our homes. And we dialed in and uh, the amazing uh, recording engineers uh, at Nickelodeon and Loud House helped us get set up about a week before and make sure that everything was good to go. And um, but oh, my gosh, it was so much fun. It was absolutely probably one of the best experiences because I, you know, I got to be on the on Zoom recording with all of the characters. I was recording with, you know, Christina Pacelli and I was recording with, um, oh my gosh, Catherine Tabor. And, you know, it's just like these women are voiceover legends who are, who have been doing this, you know, much longer than I have in the voiceover world and who I extremely admire. And so it was really, really great to be able to just soak all that in and then work with the other amazing actors um, that I got to work with in this episode and have us do really funny, quirky things in real time. Like in our episode was running away from the gophers and we all just, we all got to, you know, run away together as a group and then we would each do a line and then it would be like as soon as one person was done with the line, then the next person would go on. And every take that we did during that episode, we all ended it with like laughing. You know, we all were giggling at the end and just having so much fun. You could tell we were all just having the best time ever. Plus, like how good, how good is Zeno? Zeno is like just <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Honestly, it, uh, the 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 level of talent in voiceover and animation is so underrated. I feel like fine people obviously are recognized for it, but there's a lot of people who it's just like everything they do is insanely amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I've heard your voice for years. And I had no idea that that was your voice until we got to work together. And I realized how many different characters you voice that I've heard. So yeah, the, the amount of talent alone in Loud House, let alone the entire industry of voiceover and specifically animation is just wild. 
And I feel like, you know, the, the, the big, uh, the big up upside of doing, um, group records is that, you know, you, you get to play off the other actors and I feel like the performances are much better off for it because if you're recording alone, you kind of don't, you have no idea what the other actor's performance is going to be like until you actually see the thing. So it's like, oh, if I had known that they were going to do that, <laughs> I would have done this thing totally differently. <laughs> yeah, I think that is definitely something that crosses your mind. And I think that one great thing is, like I was saying, and like you're saying, is is you get to be right there in real time with them. And you get to just adjust and be flexible. And I don't know how other uh, actors work, but I, I do my best to do as much work as possible to prepare and really focus on what the story is and the circumstances and the relationships between the people that I'm working with. And then I just let that go and let whatever happens <laughs> happen and really just be, you know, leave myself open to be flexible. And this is one of the opportunities where everybody that I worked with in this particular cast were just rolling with the punches, whatever happened, whatever adjustments we got. And we all were able to be supportive of each other uh, by, you know, really listening to what was happening and really listening to what the director was telling another person. And then that also informs what, what you're going to be doing. If they give another actor in real time that you're, you know, privileged enough to be in a room with or a booth with or on Zoom with, and they say, okay, so we're going to just you know, maybe take it down a notch in this particular scene. We're not going to go, at, you know, we're not going to be as heightened. That's an opportunity for you to maybe then take that note and adjust whatever you are about to do when it's your turn to do it. And then the director will always say, no, for you, maybe we want a little bit more of a heightened scenario. But if they give a scene direction and they say for this scene as a whole, we want the tone to be this, then I think, you know, it's our job as actors to really be able to to listen and pay attention when they're giving notes to everybody and not just hone in on what they're saying about our specific character or our notes to ourselves. And that's a really big benefit about being in, in a big group like that is that you not only get to see really great work, you get to be with them and it does inform the work. It, I think it changes it exponentially. Um, and then you get to really, you get to really see how other actors work and what their process is and things that you maybe hadn't thought of. It's a really cool thing. It's really, really cool. <laughs> it's also pretty cool that you, that you are already a fan of the show to begin with. So you didn't have to worry about <laughs> doing any, any research, anything like that. <laughs> you know what? I still did more research because, you know, as time goes on, I'm like, wait, what was that? Okay. That's right. That was that person's name, you know? And so that way I go in there prepared to to know their names and have a face with the name too because right the animated character they play doesn't always it doesn't look like who they look like in real life so um i definitely feel like doing your research is is extremely important but yeah i was i was familiar with the show i have nieces and nephews who've been watching it for quite some time and i just find it extremely entertaining that and the casa grandes too i love I just love the dynamic. It, it reminds me of things that I watched as a kid. Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool to to be a part of of something like that, and and realizing that it's been running for God, like almost 
almost 10 years now. Like we're almost, we're close to the 10 year anniversary of that show. And that I don't know how to process that to be quite honest. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it aired. Have you been watching the show since it came out? Have you been, uh, oh, oh yeah. From the very I beginning. Mean, oh, I've been a fan. Oh, I love. I mean, I've been a fan ever since it aired and I, you know, funny you mentioned Christina Puccelli cause I, I, cause I had her on the show years ago and it's funny looking back at that interview and being like, Oh yeah, you know, we recorded that during when the Casa Grande's just got picked up and we did not know what, what the future was going to hold for that, for that series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I actually heard part of that interview uh, and it was really, really great. I heard it. Um, Probably when we were gonna, when we were supposed to talk the first time, I think. Um, yeah, and I listened to it, and uh, yeah, it's really great. But I didn't realize you had been a a fan since the beginning. That's so cool. That's really really cool that that you've. And then you do this really great podcast, and you help elevate and support something that you really care about. That's that's a really great uplifting show. So thank you. Because usually, when when you get pe- when when you when people who are really passionate about shows get guests from said shows, they usually start out with like you know supporting characters, and then you get to the main to the main characters. But not me. <laughs> I just I just went with Christina Puccelli, P- Puccelli, and then Nika Futterman, and then you can get to the Tippy the Cows and and your other <laughs> supporting yeah. characters. Yeah, but that's great. I mean, look, there are no rules, right? I mean, you do you do things in you did things in a way for this podcast that I think most people don't do it. They also they do it where they think they have to start out with like you just said, the characters who have maybe the smaller parts or that, you know, and you went straight to to Christina Pacelli and she did the interview and it's great and then you got to interview some really great people and it's just it's it's great to see people out there um like you and and what you're doing this is really cool do you ever get imposter syndrome because uh, you know i i, I know i get oh that God. sometimes whenever i talk to people who i grew up watching as a kid like you know i i remember having Carlos Col- as rocky on this show and i'm like what are you doing mm-hmm. talking to me you were rocco i remember watching you as a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's so cool i love i love uh, that character um, as well. But, you know, yeah, of course, I get imposter syndrome like every day of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like every day I get to do really cool things and then I'm just like, who do I? There's like this little voice in my head that's like, who do you think you are? You know, and it's like, oh, hold on. No, no, no. I I, the, the, I know this voice and this is not the voice that I want to listen to. And But it's really hard, you know, especially in this industry, you start to talk to people and you get to meet really great people. And then you start to wonder like, well, am I going to be as good as, am I good enough? You know, I just, maybe it was just lucky that I booked this. Like, oh, it was maybe just a fluke or like, maybe they didn't have, maybe I was the second choice or maybe I was the third choice. Like, you know, it's really easy, I think, to start downgrading your greatness. And, uh, but I think anybody who says they don't have it is lying. (laughs) I think it's very common, more common. And I really wish more people talked about it because I think it would just take away the stigma and everybody would feel a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of conversation about it now, I think. But I think when I was first starting out and when I was growing up, I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was. I just thought something was wrong with me, you know? So, so yeah, it's, I I definitely think it's, it's, 
something that's really common. But I think the most important thing is just to to acknowledge that it's happening and to maybe figure out where that's coming from. And then, you know, we have to move forward from it and it's going to come up no matter what. And as long as we don't let it completely obliterate our creativity and our motivation and take a toll on our mental health. And then I think, you know, being surrounded by really great people and, and being able to be like, yeah, I have imposter syndrome. You, you, great, great. <laughs> Is I think it just makes it a lot easier to to build lasting relationships, especially in this industry. And how did you get involved in uh, Cookie Run? You know, it was another really great audition from DDO. Um, I auditioned for her and several other supporting characters. And I, again, just did it. And let it go. And I still remember that audition. I was doing it at like one o'clock in the morning because it was, there was construction going on down the street and you could just hear everything no matter, the only way I would have been able to not have to record it that late was if I would have had a soundproof room. I mean, every, it was, it was super loud. So I remember being like, oh man, like the only time I'm going to be able to do this, but being able to record it that late just gave me so much freedom to play. And I remember going to bed being like, yeah, that was so much fun. That would be so cool to be a cookie <laughs> in a video game. And then I booked it. I let it go. I didn't think about it again. Um, yeah. And then I booked it. And also, I, I just love her lines. And I loved how many puns there were in that game. I remember just recording a line and then just laughing at the end. Like she's always like, she says, there's no place like Tome. <laughs> and I, I love puns, you know? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to, to play and to voice her character. And then I also voiced a lot of other characters, a lot of other like one-off, like, you know, the food cart woman in, in another uh, level and, I got to do like Jersey Bronx accents and I got to do like a, a superhero and I got to do a lot of really cool things, but she was a featured cookie. That was um, a really big deal for the game since oven break, since the previous game oven break. So it was really cool uh, to be part of that. What are some of your favorite lines? Uh, I would say where she says, I've been alone for quite some time. And when she does her fighting line where she says, I cannot hold back. Um, I just love it. What that uh, there's a project that I'm working on that is it's not only entertaining, but also has a deeper meaning, you know, especially for those like me who (laughs) once thought that they were not enough. And I feel like blueberry by cookie has these lines where she is very serious. Like she'll say like, keep your voices down. This is the tone. Right. And then she'll go into, I have been alone for quite some time. And you see that there's an arc to who she is. And you see that even though it's a video game and even though she's a cookie that, you know, she's been given a really difficult job. She has to guard um, this book. And she, one of the rules is she can't leave and she, she can't have people there for long periods of time. So it's just her by herself, but it's that meaningful and that important to her that she's willing to make that sacrifice. Um, And so then she goes into her lines when she's, she's fighting, (laughs) you know, and you see a whole different side to who she is. So um, 
Yeah, I think those are probably my favorite lines, but mostly because I think they just, they have a deeper meaning that people wouldn't think about on the surface for a video game that has cookies and pies. <laughs> I mean, listen, every time I talk to someone from that cast, I'm like, I, I, I'm shocked that they managed to find humanity in a game about talking gingerbread people. <laughs> I know. I think, I think that, you, you know, you have to find the humanity or the cookie manity. I don't know how to, you know, the, the, the ginger manity. I think you, you have to be able to find that really beautiful part in all of these things that you're playing, especially if you're voicing them. Right. And you're saying lines and you're, you're going through and you're, you're, there's relationships that you're building with these other cookies <laughs> in the game, I, I still think that those are all really important factors in why people that are doing these jobs are doing these jobs. You know, I think that none of us are just approaching this like, oh, this is just a cookie in a game. Oh, what would it sound like in my head? Okay, I'm a cookie. Like we really investigate, you know, and, and from what I can tell, a lot of people have a very solid process. And I think that's one of the most important things is realizing that voiceover acting is a technique and revolves, involves training uh, just like any other skill set, you know, um, to be able to have a solid foundation in your process and your acting and your training and your technique, uh, they all go hand in hand. And it's really helpful to have some sort of uh, foundation in whatever you're doing and in whatever your process is in order to bring life to characters that are essentially, they were in somebody's imagination, right? I think this skill set as a voiceover actor or in any art, it's all about the level of creativity and imagination that you allow yourself to, to lead with. And, you know, and, and I think it's easy to tap into those things if you know how to do it and then there'll be longevity from it if you have a process and a, tech, a technique to pull from. But I think if you're just trying to go out and, and do it based on something you maybe have seen or heard, you probably can do some really great voices. But at the end of the day, if there's one thing I always hear people say in casting and when I listen to producer sessions for you know uh, voiceover work specifically, it's it's still acting, you know? So, so it's still something that you have to be able to have a discipline um, for and to be able to take as seriously as you would a role in a film or a television or on theater, you know, in, on, on a stage and in a theater play. Um, so I think that's why it's so, it's so important to have those things. Um, but I think, right, like people don't usually say, oh yeah, that cookie has an arc. <laughs> I wonder what that cookie, oh God, she's so lonely. Oh, well, I just think that you, nobody really thinks about that stuff, you know? So if, if we have a chance or if I have a chance to breathe some life into a character, uh, that maybe gives people something to think about when they hear it, then 
I think that's what it's all about. Because she's a very, like, you know, like you said, very isolationist, very, you know, strict character. And there, there are obviously very different, uh, a number of ways you could approach a character like that. But mm-hmm. I, I love that you gave, I love the way that you managed to make her vulnerable, but not in a way that makes her weak. But just mm-hmm. like, you can tell, like, she's very vulnerable, very hurt, but she knows that she has to, to do what she has to do. Right. Yeah. And she knows that that was the job when she took it. And, but she also, listen, she's a fighter. (laughs) If you select her to, as one of your fighters, I mean, she's, she's badass. I think blueberry pie cookies, people mistake because she looks like this cute little librarian with these little glasses, but then you get her in there and she uses her, all of her, uh, different ways to fight. And, um, I think it's I think it's a little surprising because she just looks so harmless. <laughs> also, also funny enough, um, I I find it funny that you managed to work on Loud House with Christina Puccelli and Zeno Robinson, and they're both in Cookie Run. So there you go. I know, I know, which I had no idea. I I hadn't heard of Cookie Run. Um, until I had heard of Oven Bake because my nephews are obsessed <laughs> with Oven Bake. Um, but I hadn't heard of Cookie Run, even though it, ha- it had been released. Um, and then when I realized that, they, that the Deb sisters were responsible for both and that it was sort of a spinoff, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Because you always see the gingerbread cookie in Oven Bake. And then I would always see the same gingerbread cookie when it was advertising Cookie Run. And I was like, I feel like I've seen that gingerbread before. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. I, I, I recently came across that. Somebody else mentioned that to me. Do you know that people you were in Loud House with were also in Cookie Run? I said, no, I didn't know that. But it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, they're so talented, those two. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm so honored to have been, to be... Um, working with people of of that stature i mean to be honest like it was uh, i I, again i I said this before but if they had not cast the people that they had cast for this game i would i wouldn't have given a second a second look but but i I just i I remember looking at the cast list and being like wait a minute they got so-and-so for this wait a minute this can't be real and like there was a lot of anticipation for that english dub and i remember downloading the game and you know, waiting, anticipating the English dub and just waiting to hear what everyone sounded like. And I'm like, man, this is, this is really, really good. (laughs) Right. They did a really great job. It's like some of these characters, when I first downloaded the game, even before Blueberry Pie Cookie was released, I was, I was dead listening to some of the voices, like, and just like, I was thoroughly entertained by just some of the things that they say and how they, you know, deliver their lines and just how they interact with each other. And just to see that they pulled, you know, the voiceover actors that they did. And then to really get to know a lot of voiceover actors that I hadn't known yet who have been working for years and years and years and who voiced so many other characters that I didn't even know that that was their voice. Um, that was something that was really inspiring for me. Uh, and then to just keep going back and, and seeing every time they release a cookie, like, oh my gosh, 
this person has done so much amazing work and now listen to how great their cookie, <laughs> their life as a cookie is. Um, it's all come full cookie. Is that a thing? No, it's not a thing. <laughs> uh, oh, it's pretty cool that you've, uh, I, I take it like seeing as you play the game, uh, uh, have you gotten far in it or uh, did you just like download it and then just be like, ah, oh, this is just too much for me? <laughs> you know what? I haven't gotten far in it because I, I'm i new to to games. I mean, I'm not new. I just haven't played a game in so long that was fun. That was not like where I needed to dedicate so much of my life to learn to do what I was doing. And this is still complex. There's still complexities to it. But I started watching a bunch of YouTube videos and like watching people stream uh, playing the game. And so I would start to level up based on that. But for me, it's more like I just get too stuck in the game and then hours go by and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I have so much work to do. I have like four auditions I need to get in. I just realized I missed an uh, an email from so-and-so and I was supposed to get back. So I think it's 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 me. It's not the game. It's that I think that I, I want to play it instead of doing the things I actually have to do. <laughs> so it was, it was taking over my time because it was so much fun to play and I wasn't getting far. I mean, I was just like trying to figure out how to maneuver the different cookies and different characters and what their skills were and then I was realizing like, oh, based on how much I accrue, I can buy new things and different weapons and powers. And then again, it like six hours went by and I'm like, what have I, what have I done today? What am I doing? And I work from home. I'm very grateful to have a job from home. Shout out to Talent Boom. Um, there's really great uh, entertainment one page for anyone in entertainment. So you can just compile all of your stuff in one place instead of being like, oh, here's my this page and here's this page. And here's my website and here's this. It's all in one place. So shout out to them. Um, but I, so it just, yeah, it consumed my time a little too much. <laughs> so, but I love it. It's, it's so much fun, but I'm definitely nowhere near like intermediate expert. I am very much a beginner. <laughs> Okay, so you know, it's good that you at least it, it's good that you at least tried. <laughs> Let's just yeah, put it exactly. I, I try and I pick it up and I do the update, you know, the updates, and then I start to play it again, and then I'm like, okay, no, it's been an hour. Put the phone down. <laughs> um, but I do hope to get better at it because it's a lot of fun. As long as you don't spend too much money on it, then you should be fine. <laughs> That was the issue. I'm like, why did I just spend $50 getting all of these things and six hours of my life is gone? And also thank you, Cookie Run, because it's so much fun. And it it really helps alleviate my anxiety when I start to be anxious about things. But then again, I just, I get too committed like I do with everything. And then my whole day is gone. <laughs> now, I remember interviewing a, a voice actor and they said that they had to stop playing the game because like their roommate caught them spending like $100 to get their cookie in the, in the game. And they're like, <laughs> What are you doing? Stop spending money on this. Delete it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so tempting, though, because you also it's like you want to support the people that hired you. You know, you want to just be like, oh, I'm going to totally play this. And then I'm going to I'm going to spend the money because it's going back into people that hired you and you got to work with, you know. Uh, but then, yeah, it becomes a little too distracting for me. And then none of my other work gets done. <laughs> 
So, so I take it like you have no issue like listening to yourself because usually whenever I ask people like, you know, do you, do you watch or play any of the games that you've worked on? They usually say no because they're like, I can't stand listening to myself. I'm too hypercritical. Oh, you know, I think I had a, a really big chunk of of my training when I first got to L.A. that I, I was definitely like, oh, I can't watch myself. I can't listen to myself. I can't. And I think sometimes that for me was all based in like fear of like, oh, what if it sounds terrible? And then what if everybody hates it? And then what if, and then it was all the what ifs and, you know, I can't control any, what anybody thinks about what I do. And then I started realizing that, you know, I'm really blessed and grateful to have these really great gifts that I have. And once I sort of shifted my mindset to listening to it from not a critical standpoint, because definitely I am my worst critic, um, but listening to it from a how can I improve standpoint, then it became me being able to objectively listen to it and go, oh, okay, you know what? Um, I maybe could have done this differently. But then I have to think at the end of the day, the professionals who are recording this and the directors and the producers and the writers who created this character and wrote what I'm saying or singing, they're not going to select something that's bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like maybe other people might think so or, or, but, but that's none of my business, right? The people that wrote this that are hiring me ultimately know what they want. And so I had to shift my mindset of, not only how can I improve, but how can I let go of this and understand that the only thing I have control over is myself and I'm going to do the best that I can. And I guarantee you that if they don't like what they're hearing, they're going to tell you. (laughs) They're going to say like, okay, that was okay. Let's try something different, you know? And so I think that what ends up being the final product is something that I had to learn to really embrace and give up and surrender that trust to the people who are hiring me that they're going to know what's best for their show. And I think once I did that, I have so much fun listening to myself. I get actually excited. I'm like, oh, look, look, look what I did. Look, I'm always telling my, my husband and my family mostly like, did you get to hear where I did that weird voice? Oh my gosh. I don't even know how that came out. It just came out of my body. It's so, it was so fun to do that one part. And so now, no, I love it. I think it's so much, I think it's so much fun because again, I, but I think I had to get to a place of changing my perspective on it. So you're like a Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he just like points at the screen. <laughs> I don't, you know, I never really thought about that comparison. I'm like, oh my God, isn't that great? Um, I think, it, I think mine is maybe close, maybe close to that. <laughs> um, but I think mine comes from more of like the, you know, when like a weird noise comes out or like a character and, and like my mom will go, oh my gosh, that's your voice. You know, because they grew up hearing me do all these crazy voices. And I go, I know, isn't that insane? I don't know where that came from. It's more of that sort of thing. Like, oh my gosh, isn't that weird? Or or um, like, look at how high I got my voice to go. I think more for me, it's excitement of the project and all of these things and the people involved, but also in the disbelief of like, Sometimes I hear my voice back and I'm like, oh my God, how did I, what, who am I? Like, what is happening? Uh, so I think it's more from that standpoint, but, but overall, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm a very, uh, I'm just grateful and I'm just very excited to be able to 
to do this uh, and have this as a part of, of my craft and my artistry. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when I was watching, um, you know, uh, your, your episode on, of the loud house, I was shocked. I, I had to like stop it for a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute, that can't be the same lady that did blueberry pie, blueberry pie cookie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it sounds like a totally different person. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes when these voices come out, like I said, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I have an idea based on what the breakdown says and what they're asking for. You know, based on like, oh, we want her tone to be really smooth, or we want her to have some some, you know, scratchiness or roughness to her voice. We want there to be a little bit of vocal fry or, you know, she needs to sound, we need like a a person that's an adult to play an eight-year-old. And so I can gauge it based on that, but it's not until I start playing and open my mouth with the lines that I'm given and all the information that I'm given that I actually know what the character is going to sound like. Um, so, uh, the, definitely none of it is like, oh, okay, I can pull from this. Maybe one day I'll be able to do, do that. Um, after many, many, many years, like, you know, the greats of E.G. Daly and Nancy Cartwright, um, and Christina Bocelli. And, but, but for me, I, I, I think they're all so fresh for me that that's why I think I go, oh my God, can you believe that I did that with my voice? Cause I didn't. And even when I, when I did squash, you know, cause you know, I've definitely watched all of spirit Rangers. They just got a season three. I've watched almost all of whatever they've released. I've watched it. And that was another thing I was binge watching that and it was taking up all my day. Um, and then I just, I did this podcast that actually uh, won like the audible best of 2023 and it's called the Royals of Malibu. And I was a recast for that character. I came in and season two and played a character named Brooke Davidson And so they gave me the reference of the first season character and said, we want it to sound similar, but we also want it to be completely different. And I think as an actor, you're like, what? But then you just start to play. And that character, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Royals of Malibu podcast, she's like a kind of a crazy, maniacal combination of if like blueberry pie cookie and not even marissa i don't even think i have an i don't know she's just a whole different she's in a whole different category of her own and she has this like valley girl wannabe rich girl thing going on and she's also just just not a nice person podcast and so when her voice came out and I had a call back with them on zoom I just remember being like they said to me well you know we liked what you did in your audition but can you play around with it and so I did and at one point the assistant assistant director said I really liked that but if we could maybe make her less Ursula (laughs) and and so I said, okay, so less like evil. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but not not so much less. Um, and so when I, again, when I opened my mouth, I had no idea what was going to come out, but apparently they liked it because I booked it. And um, they actually were really sweet and sent a, a message to my agents and said, we just want to let you all know that we just got the 2023 um, best of 
uh, from Audible, and that was a huge compliment to all of the amazing voiceover actors and um, including Burgundy's work. So it's just to say you just never know, but just allow yourself to just let it all out because you never know what somebody else is going to think is really great. And you're like, oh, my God, that sounded awful or that sounded crazy. It's like uh, whenever uh, I talk to someone and I mention like a really obscure character and they're like, really? That, that's, that's, you know, that's one of your favorite characters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. People, you know, you assume everybody, there's like, oh, everybody likes this. It's like vanilla or this is like chocolate. So everybody's going to like these things. But I, people would be surprised as to like, what my like what my goals and dreams are <laughs> you know the, the type of characters I would want to voice you know and the things that I do uh to keep myself inspired are very different probably than what people would assume by like seeing my picture or hearing my voices in these characters in my voice in these characters and what 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 inspires you and and uh how do you like what what type of characters do you want to play well I think for me, the things that inspire me to be creative are something that I've only learned in the last like three years, which are that I have, you have to have a life as an artist. And I know that sounds obvious, but it was, it came to the point where people were asking me in casting when I was doing a, you know, just like a one-on-one -on -one meeting with them or when I was in an audition and they're like, tell me about yourself. Like, what do you do for fun? And literally I had no idea. I, I, I would say like, oh, you know, I, I like to go on walks with my dog. <laughs> like it was obvious that I was grasping for things that I did for fun because the truth was, is I wasn't doing anything to have fun. I was in acting class. I was doing auditions. I was going to screeners. I was, you know, writing. I was in a technique class. I was taking dance class. Like all the things I was doing were geared towards how can I be more successful? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, so I wasn't really having a lot of fun. And so I had a coach and a mentor um, who by the name of Stuart K. Robinson, who I still, he is my mentor. He is the most, one of the most amazing human beings. He wrote an amazing book that I can mention if um, you'd like later that everyone I think needs to read. And um, it's all about just doing things that inspire you creatively, you know? So I, I realized, okay, well, what do I like to do? I love to be outside. Um, music, and singing and dancing are a huge part of my life, but not because, oh, how can I make this into something that's going to get me a job? Those things just give me so much freedom and inspiration, and they work out a lot of this energy that's pent up inside, you know, with all of the craziness that's happening in the world and in the industry and things. It's Those are things that I do consistently to keep myself, um, you know, grounded. I love going to listen to live music. Uh, I love taking dance classes. I take this hip hop dance class sometimes and I'm not, I was not an original hip hop dancer. <laughs> I was like a classically trained like ballet, tap, jazz. Um, I did belly dancing, but I didn't, didn't do hip hop. And I remember being like, oh my God, I feel so dumb. But it was so fun because you get to meet all of these other people who are just sort of putting themselves out there and you just start to build community with people and start to realize like, oh, this is just like anything else. If I practice it, I can do it and it's fun and it doesn't have anything to do with how can this book me a job? I think we here, especially in LA, we're taught to, oh yeah, have a life, but also how is it going to add to your resume? But really your resume is 
what life experiences you have, the things that you actually allow yourself to go out and do, like go outside, go listen to live music, take a road trip. I love road trips. If anybody's like, do you want to road, take a road trip or do you want to travel? Yes. The answer is always yes. Say yes to more things instead of like, oh, I can't do that lunch because I have an audition that came in and it's due tomorrow. So instead of going to lunch with you, I'm going to spend six hours obsessing over this audition. So it's perfect. It's like, go to have a lunch with your friend and then <laughs> come back and be- guess what? Your audition's going to be better for it because you're, you allowed yourself to do something that's not obsessing over this one thing, you know? Um, I love to write. I love to write poetry. I love to write what I call like angry raps <laughs> that I will never say out loud or hear to anybody with whatever I'm feeling. And as silly as it is, I just, I, I turn them into uh, poetry, but truly that's, those are some of the things that help me stay sane and grounded and really making sure that I'm taking care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because without any of that, no amount of credits is going to matter. If you're not taking care of yourself and, and really being an advocate and doing what you can for you, first and foremost, nobody's going to do that for you. So I think that was something that I learned the hard way by having burnout and then not understanding why it was so hard for me to maybe get out of bed because I was so tired and I didn't understand. Well, it was because I wasn't doing anything for me that really was inspiring my creativity, you know? Um, And because of those things, the voices that I would love to, to do um, would be, I mean, there's so many of them, you know, like Ariel from the Little Mermaid cartoon, which is like circa 1990, you know, I, uh, but I think the ones I loved most growing up were many of the villains, Ursula, the wicked stepmother, you know, and the sisters from Cinderella, uh, Maleficent. Uh, So uh, obviously I like to stretch my voice and my artistry beyond what is expected of me and assumed based on what you're going to see when you see a picture of me or hear other voices um, that I, or other characters that I voice. Um, And I think that's surprising to people. I think they're like, what? You want to play the villain? (laughs) Um, But obviously another huge dream of mine would be to voice a leading character um, in an animated show like the Casa Grandes or also in a Disney Pixar DreamWorks animated film. You know, to be able to, I mean, I will play a fly who does not speak. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't have, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't have many things that I will. Um, in fact, I, I've never turned down a, a job when somebody's like, "Do you think you can voice this? Do you think would you want to audition for this?" I say yes as often as I can because I think that that's one of the best ways to consistently keep yourself learning and evolving and growing and working and building relationships with people is, is to say yes. And then just figure it out as you go, you know? I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, one of my biggest takeaways from the last three years is that it's important to, to, to find time for yourself, because if you don't, then that's going to eat eat away at your mental health. Like, you know, because like you said, and it, it's important to also be versatile. It's also, it's also like, you know, it's important to try new things, to 
get out of that comfort zone. You know, that's, that's one of the things I, I, I had to learn to, to, to do as well, where it's like, you know, I, I, for the longest time, I, I tried so hard to, you know, get out of my comfort zone was like, you know, but I, I just want to talk about this one specific thing, or I just want to talk about the, to, to these like specific people from like this specific show, but it's like, you know, get out of your comfort zone, do, do stuff that you would normally wouldn't do, you know, go out for a walk, you know, just, just, you know, clear your clear your mind and when your mind is clear you can have a better understanding of what you're you're going to be doing uh moving forward mm-hmm. yeah I, that downtime that time for yourself to to really like you just said to clear your mind is something that as any type of artist or in any field is so important. And again, it sounds obvious, you know, we know these things, we've known these things for years, we've known this since before the pandemic, and all these things, but we really didn't get a chance to, to sit with those things until I think the pandemic hit, and then everything became mostly virtual. Um, And then it's like, oh, oh, that's why these things are important. Oh, okay, I see. Sometimes I think you have to sort of burn out in order to realize what am I not taking care of for me? Because like you said, if you're going and going and going, and let's say you're interviewing all these great people that you want to interview, but in the, in that process, you're working so hard to just get only the people you want to talk to. And you're not making sure that your mental health and your physical well-being are taken care of, then you could be scheduling all these podcast interviews and then what if you get sick? Then it's like, and then the person is busy. And then by the time you get to talk to them the next time, three years has passed. You know what I mean? So it's a balance and it's hard. It's it's probably one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to to learn is balance. And I am still, I am still learning it. I just, I realize that being able to be out of my comfort zone and being able to stretch myself in a way that I haven't really ever done before doesn't mean that I have to sacrifice something that I don't feel comfortable with. You know, so if it's like, well, we want you to record and we want, or we want you to come on set or we want you to do these things. And we know we didn't talk about it initially in the audition process, but now you're going to do it and you're going to be okay with that. And I'm like, mm. so I think, I mean, not that those things, not that that's, that's happening uh, anymore. There's a lot less of that, but I think that, that being able to take care of yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you also aren't sticking up for yourself when you need to. It's like, okay, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of get out of my comfort zone, but I'm also not going to allow myself to be put in compromising situations and still know how to take care of myself too, you know? Yeah, it's it's important as well. You know, another lesson I learned uh, just last year was just knowing when to walk away and when to say no, because mm. when you when you try so hard to please people that who who don't really value you as a person or don't really appreciate what you do, you're and you're only going to end up hurting yourself more because then you're you're just going to be like, oh, okay, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing this because it's it's going to not only affect affect me but also might affect like other relationships down the line and i don't i don't want that to happen because mm-hmm. like you know like slowly realizing that oh you know not everyone is going you know not everyone's going to 
to like you not you know you're not going to get along with everybody and sometimes like you're going to deal with difficult people who say who demand something of you that you're not comfortable with and it's important to say hey you know i respect where you're coming from but uh no i'm not going to be doing that so find someone else to do it yeah yeah the power of no is a is a real thing and uh like i was telling you earlier the one of the best things that ever happened to me or one of the best people that happened to be put on my path um, was Stuart K. Robinson. And he wrote this book and it's called, It All Begins With I, the new, rule, the new Rules of Thinking and the Simple Secrets to Living a Rich, Joyous, and Fulfilled Life. And Stuart K. Robinson was an actor. He's a composer. I mean, he's a singer. He uh, has kids that are in the, in the business and who are um, working and doing really great things. And I think one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me was that the only thing that matters when it comes to your health and your career is how you who you are and how you take care of yourself so if you're running on empty and sometimes people are running around and and they're driving a, a car and it's you know like oh my gosh i only have a quarter tank of gas but i'm going to make it to this next thing because i don't have time to stop he always says those things are like a metaphor for what you're actually feeling worthy of in your own life so if you're only, if you're willing to drive around on fumes in a city as big as los angeles and risk breaking down then that's a metaphor, I think, for your life. And I remember going, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. That if you're not taking care of yourself, by the time you've worked so hard to get all these really great opportunities, they may not even be able, you may not even be able to do them if your health isn't your first priority. Um, and of course, he articulates it much more eloquently than I do. <laughs> I would say definitely look at his book. It's specifically for artists, but really for anybody in life with, you know, realizing that it all starts with us. It's, it's, it's up to us to take care of ourselves and to put ourselves um, first. And uh, I think that that's, that's one of the most challenging things, but it's important to have really great people around you that remind you of like, uh, just a heads up. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I also wanted to to ask, like, seeing as you know, it's it's December, and like I said before, I I usually don't get to record episodes during you know December. So, uh, what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, I first of all, I love Christmas, um, and I think Elf, a thousand percent Elf, um. I do love White Christmas. I do love uh, Home Alone, one and two. <laughs> um, I love, um, oh my gosh, why can't, the National Lampoon Christmas. Uh, Christmas Vacation. Yes, oh my God. Uh, I just watched that like two nights ago. Um, it. Those are probably my, I have so many more. Oh my gosh. I can't even think of any more off the top of my head, but those are the ones that I watch 
over and over and over and over. And I never get tired of them. And I laugh just as hard as when I saw them the first time. Um, you know, I also find myself watching Anchorman during Christmas and it's not a Christmas movie, but I just, I just love, I feel like anything that's going to give me a really deep belly laugh, (laughs) especially during the holidays, it's just, you know, it's always a really good feeling. That's cool. You know, and and (laughs) props to you for actually being creative and not just saying, well, die hard. (laughs) Like so many oh, other you know people. What? I've never seen Die Hard on Christmas in my life. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? That is a Christmas movie. And I'm like, I know. I just, I don't know. Like I would choose, I would choose hardcore, like I said, deep belly laughter over explosions any day. <laughs> now, for me, I'm like, you know, I I always say gremlins and, they're, and people are like, why, why gremlins? Oh, I'm like, yeah. And people are like, oh, why Gremlins? Well, because A, it's like one of the darkest um, uh, Christmas movies ever made. And uh, B, it stars uh, Howie Mandel and uh, Frank Welker as the main uh, as the main two Gremlins. So what more can you want from that? Oh, my gosh, you're so right. I completely forgot about that movie. I'm going to have to we're going to have to watch that tonight. And you know what? Also, The Grinch. You just brought up The Grinch. That made me think of The Grinch. Um, I do love The Grinch with Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, and you know, the, the, the Christmas story, that's a classic. I feel like I didn't realize there were so many versions, but my favorite is the Muppets. The Muppet Christmas story is my absolute favorite version of that story. <laughs> um, but there's like a thousand and I've watched probably a, a good portion of them. Um, so yeah, those, that's probably, those are probably my top that I watch every single year. Um, but I'm going to have to look at the Gremlins. I completely forgot about that. Um, a Muppet Christmas Carol is is amazing because it's just Michael Caine being the most serious, <laughs> giving like the performance of his lifetime while all these Muppets are around him. It's amazing. You know what's so funny? I just read something about that the other day that he, when he accepted the, the job, he said, I will accept this under one condition that I play that role like it's a Shakespearean experience <laughs> that no matter what is going on around me, that I will stay committed to how serious the rule, the role of Scrooge is. And when you see it, that's exactly what you just said. That's exactly what he's doing. I couldn't, I don't know if I could commit to that level of commitment with those Muppets all around me. I'm too easily like, oh, it's a Muppet. <laughs> and then you have um, Muppet Treasure Island with Tim Curry, who's just like chewing the scenery in every in every scene he's in. And it's like, yes, <laughs> more of this, please. <laughs> you know what? I also, any Muppets movie... Period. I didn't even think of putting that as my goals. Like any Muppet, I would love to actually be a puppeteer for a Muppet one day, but I think you have to learn how to be a ventriloquist as well. Um, But I would love to challenge myself with something like that. Oh my God, that would be so fun. Oh yeah. I mean, I mad respect to puppeteers for making it work. I mean, they're just like some of the coolest people ever. It's like, but how do you do that? It's like, no, but it's, it's, it's easy. It's like, you just have to know how to throw your voice and, uh, you know, right. make sure that, make sure that you uh, know how to operate a, a two hand puppet. You 
all at the same time while being fabulous. It's like, oh my gosh. There is one that I follow on Instagram. Oh my gosh, I wish I remember her name. She plays the little African-American puppet on um, Sesame Street. And she is so inspirational to me. Uh, I, I can't remember her name, but I follow her on Instagram. And she is not only amazing, she plays the piano. She's like opera. She's an opera singer. I mean, she can do it all. Um, I, I, it's, it, I saw her, her Instagram stories one day and it was mind blowing. Uh, let's see. She's, I, I think, oh, here it is. I looked it up because I was like, I need to figure out who this is. She deserves a shout out. Um, Megan Pyphus Peace. She plays the role of Gabrielle, who is a six-year-old puppet and she, but she also has a puppet. She runs her own puppet show. She comes on and she has puppets that she voices and they are like dancing, like full length puppets, her size and everything. Like it's the most mind blowing thing you've ever seen. She has one, she, she sort of goes and does tours with, and she does this really funny uh, voice with her because she talks about how she was supposed to go. They were flying to go on tour and that she was just going to put this, the Muppet in her suitcase and they have this whole dialogue and they get into a fight and then she cuts two and they're both like their hair is all messed up. Oh my gosh, you should interview her. <laughs> she is, she is extremely talented. So yeah, that's goals. That's something that I'm like, maybe I'll learn how to be a ventriloquist, throw my voice and do a puppet, even though she's been doing it for like, you know, 20 years. So it'd be like me starting at the very bottom. I mean, hey, we all got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, before I wrap this up, because I know that, uh, you know, I don't want to keep you on longer than I should, you know, because it's almost, you know, it's, um, it's been, oh, almost been like an hour. No, it's yeah. such a great, yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, before we wrap this up, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online? Sure. Uh, so my handle on everything, on all the things is uh, Burgundy Phoenix and it's B-U-R-G-A-N-D-I and then P-H-O-E-N-I-X. No spaces, no under, just Burgundy Phoenix. Um, and right now I'm writing. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of writing, which is really great. Um, I'm doing a lot of auditioning. So look out for that. There's possibly some things uh, a brewing when it comes to that. And um I am right now I'm doing a lot of, of really great interviewing. I'm doing um, this podcast, which I'm so excited to be on. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I just, uh, I was just interviewed by um, uh, rising stars, which is a medium uh, publication online. And so I'm doing a lot of interviews right now um, and uh, just sort of soaking in the holidays. I'm excited to go. I'm going to go home for the holidays um, but really just soaking in all the excitement of these beautiful shows that I've been able to be a part of and all of their nominations. Um, like I said earlier, Spirit Rangers has seven nominations and, um, uh, Cookie Run actually got, I think it was like best of Google play for 2023 and, uh, the Rose of Malibu was the best of on um, Audible for 2023. So there's a lot of really great things sparking from that. And then um, I'm, in, I'm auditioning uh, 
in the upcoming year for, I want to do some more theater. Um, I just got back from Minnesota. I was uh, in Minnesota and Minneapolis for six weeks and I was um, involved in the play by Native American playwrights, Larissa Fasthorse and Ty Defoe. And it was directed by Michael John Garces. And we were at the Guthrie for six weeks. And so I just got back from that uh, about three weeks ago. And so just getting back into the swing of things, the strike is over um, for film and television anyway. <laughs> uh, and just uh, really excited to see what the new year brings. Um, I feel like there's a lot of really great things that are, that are going to start happening and I'm here for it. I'm just, just prepared and, and getting, you know, preparing my, my craft and making sure I'm taking care of myself and also just taking a little bit of a break during the holidays, spend some time with my family and, and then start 2023, you know, on getting ready to, to, I was trying to say start 2023, 2023 with a bang, but I also am always really conscious of how I say things. I'm like, so maybe not with a bang, like just start it on the ground running. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the new year brings, but I have a feeling it's going to be some really great things. So I think you mean 2024, not 2023. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is what happens in my brain. See, people, I'm human, just like everybody else. I'm going back to 2022. <laughs> Coming into 2023. No, 2023 has been a great year. So, yes. Yeah, so, you can edit that part, right? <laughs> You can be like, she meant coming into 2024. So I'll just make like a clean take and I'll say, I'm just really excited to see all of the really amazing things that 2024 is going to bring and just getting myself ready to start 2024 and on the ground running um, with some really exciting news. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to share with you soon. Thank you so, so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a lovely conversation and I'm kind of glad we finally did it, you know, because I remember reaching out way back in July and then the strike happened and then we couldn't do it. And, and then, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, we finally did it. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Truly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I'm 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 very excited for you. Congratulations on everything you're doing. And and definitely keep me posted. I love to support um, anything that you're you're working on, and and hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. Have a great holiday season and happy New Year, twenty twenty four, not twenty twenty three. All right, and yeah, so yeah, I don't care what anyone says. We're friends now, so you're stuck with me. Yes, we're absolutely friends. Done. All right, All right. Uh, take care. Have a good one, and I'll see you later. Bye bye. Thank you. You as well. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>